Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week, we will explore the journey of Emily Telford, a biology science teacher at University High School, which is a lab school affiliated with Illinois State University in Normal, Illinois. She also serves as an assistant instructional professor at Illinois State. She has been a professional educator since 2011 and holds a master's degree in STEM education and teacher leadership with a concentration in ed tech from Illinois State. I attended Illinois State for my doctoral studies and met Emily in a graduate level ed tech course around 2017. Um, so you and I probably haven't talked since, I'm trying to think, we took Robin's, Robin Seglum's course together. That would have been like fall 2017, I want to say. Does that, that sound great. right to you? Yeah. And I... I had, at the time, my daughter was born that previous October, so I had an infant at home, um, and I was, like, just starting the doc program, and you were working on your master's, but you were taking, like, a doc-level tech course, and that always impressed me about you. Yeah, I didn't um, know it was doc-level when I took it. (laughs) We will explore Emily's pedagogical journey as a high school science teacher across the next three episodes. Today, we will go back to Emily's spark towards the sciences as a young student. On the following two episodes, we will hear Emily's stories about the importance of gamification and assessment, and finally, how she has designed meaningful science instruction during the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. As a father of two young daughters, I'm always interested in how we can better foster female representation in STEM learning and professional fields. I asked Emily to share how she became interested in the sciences, and she shared a story about a program she was connected with by her grandmother at a young age. This conversation led us to discussing how she facilitates and designs similar experiences for her students, particularly her female learners in the Girls in STEM Club at UHI that she leads. You had sent me those prompts, and so I thought about like what actually was the moment where... I found out I was excited about um, science and uh, it goes back to this program that the Peoria Park District, so Peoria, Illinois, which is about about 35 minutes away from where I live now. Um, My brother lives there. I've been there a lot. Okay. Um, They had this program when I was younger and I looked for it today online to see if I could find the name of the program and I don't think it exists anymore. Um, So it was for children, grades K through eight and excuse me, um, all of these museums and parks would participate in this program and sorry, we would get like a little booklet. No, you're okay. Um, it's not COVID, I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'd get this little booklet and each page was a different institution or museum in Peoria. And it was kind of like a little scavenger hunt where you would have to go to the museum and look for these answers and then find the answers, write it down. And then somebody that works at that place would stamp it. And then at the end of the summer, depending on how many stamps you got in your booklet, um, you would be put in a drawing for like prizes. This was like a huge deal in the summer. My grandma would watch all of us cousins (laughs) and we would just pile in her van, probably way too many kids in her van. And we'd go around to these different places in Peoria and um, get our little booklets stamped. And so my grandma was actually a teacher too. She taught um, elementary ed in Creve Court. Um, kind of like a lower income area. And so she kind of like through this program, I don't think she did this consciously taught me like the constructivist 
idea of teaching and like, here are these questions. Now you have to go find the answer to these questions. And I remember getting so frustrated with her because I would, we would spend like hours <laughs> for an answer. And I'd be like, grandma, can we just go get our booklet stamp? Like we got enough. She's like, no, you need to go find this. And she, she also taught me to be, um, taught me like grit and like sticking with it. And, and then also like these museums. So there's a one that stuck out in particular, like the Lakeview museum, it was a science museum. And so they had like the cool thing where you could like make a tornado and um, like a studio where you could mess with the lights and then stand in front of the lights and make shadows, just cool things that just made me wonder. I think that was like the biggest thing is I had so many questions after I would go to these places. And so it taught me to be curious and to explore. Um, and like I mentioned, so sparking like wonder and excitement. And that's the kind of thing I, I, I hope that my students feel in my classroom too, is um, like through like anchoring phenomena and engagement, that they have these, these questions that they, that they need to be answered. Um, or I show them something and then I was like, wow, how does that happen? And then through the unit or through the 5e lesson, we kind of discover the answers to these questions. That's, that's such a great story. And I think as educators and as science educators specifically, we try to foster those types of experiences where we can, like you said, provoke that wonder and curiosity in our students. Um, I was perusing, like I said, on your Twitter before we talked this morning, and I saw that there, you kind of head up like a girls, I guess, girls in STEM group at your school. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I run the girls in STEM club at UHigh. We have fun. Tell me, tell me about that. Like what you guys, what y'all do there. Yeah. So I started it a few years ago when I realized how many girls at my school were interested in STEM fields and they were a little bit intimidated by, um, we have like an engineering club and they were super intimidated to go. Um, but they still wanted to learn about like coding and, and things like that. Um, so last year it obviously looked a little bit different than it does this year. Um, we had like a shark week where we dissected dogfish sharks and we talked to a shark scientist, um, through Skype who was actually in New Zealand at the time, which is kind of cool. Um, we had one girl who's very into coding. She taught the girls how to make a website through, um, coding. We brought in other important figures in the community. We brought in a, a chemistry professor to talk about what she does. We do like little experiments and record them. Um, yeah. And this year it's mostly just been uh, community, uh, community members zooming in, which isn't as exciting, but um, yeah. And we're actually um, starting a program. I, well, I'm not starting it. It was, I, I was kind of roped into it um, through a, a company called Smart Path here in Bloomington. And they're starting a program called Be an Explorer, which is kind of like the program that I was talking about earlier, where they go around to different places in Bloomington Normal and they discover how STEM is used there. And then they get like a little, she's calling it like a passport and they get a stamp. And so the Girls in STEM Club at UHI is sponsoring that program and they're making the introductory videos and um, also interviewing professionals. Oh. Like full circle. Well, that, that, that program sounds very similar to one that I've heard about before. That's really kind of like a bookended experience for you. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I'm excited to now get students, K through eight students in Bloomington Normal excited about STEM. Hope that they pursue. Yeah, wow. 
That's so cool. Wow. That makes me happy. Okay. Um, where do you kind of backtracking in that story a little bit, where do you think that intimidation for them with the engineering club came from? And have you ever experienced feelings like that as a female who's interested in the sciences? Um, I would assume the, the intimidation from the engineering club probably came because it's, it's all, all male teachers and the, the teacher at UHI who sponsors that club. He's, he's brilliant. Mr. Culbertson, Corey Culbertson, um, who actually also went through the same, same STEM ed program that I did. Um, so like when you walk into a room and it's all male, it's automatically intimidating. Um, or just when you walk into a room and there's nobody there that looks like you even, um, it can be intimidating. Yeah. yeah. Um, but exactly. as far as experiences that I've, um, encountered, I really haven't, I've been kind of lucky. So I think in life science, there are more females than in physical sciences and engineering. Um, so I haven't really experienced that, but I've, I've heard many stories of, of students who have, um, yeah. We had some recent UHI grads zoom in for a meeting. There was a UHI grad that went to U of I in the computer science program. And she talked about her experience and mm-hmm. she was picked for a fellowship um, or a scholarship. I can't remember exactly. And she had her male counterparts approach her and say, you know, you only got that because you're you're a minority and you're female. And so kind of just discredited all of the hard work that she had put into, um, you know, applying for that scholarship. And, and so she had like the imposter syndrome, like maybe I really don't belong here. Maybe I don't, I shouldn't deserve this. Um, so just experiences like that, that we've heard about through community members. Um, I think the girls yeah. hopefully won't have to relate to that, but um just kind of having a role model too, um, I think helps them. And that's probably got to feel, that's got to feel good for you to be able to be that role model. Like that, like you said, that's such so important that they have someone that looks like them in the room that they can relate to and their life trajectory could be totally different because they had those experiences and they feel empowered. Um, that's a big responsibility. It's one that I, I struggle with because I'm a white male in the room and a lot of my students are female and female students of color just in education in general. So it's something that I struggle with. Yeah. Um, I think too, just like I said, just having like, even if you aren't that role model, model showing them people that look like them can also be uh, mm-hmm. super valuable. How, is there ways that you do that in your courses that you teach at UHI? Yeah, so so we talked about the 5E model earlier. Um, so we kind of added a 6E to the 5E model, oh. um, just empathy. And so with the engagement or whatever anchoring phenomena we just, we select for that unit, we try to include some sort of um, empathy. So having um, like a social justice like lens in that unit so that those students can see someone that looks like them or if um, um, I have like a 
where I want to put like a clip of somebody talking about something. And I try not to have, you know, like a white male doctor, you know, try to find somebody that's different that looks like them. So trying to weave those into, um, I think is important. Can you give me an example of like something you've taught this year and like what the sixth E looked like in context? Yeah, absolutely. So we do a whole unit on cancer where we talk about the um, cell cycle and DNA division and DNA replication. And we focus it around the lens of cancer because that's something that everyone can relate to. And with that phenomenon, we talk about Henrietta Lacks. Do you know who Henry Lax is? The name is kind of ringing familiar. I was listening to several podcasts and reading stuff about like finding ways to represent people in the classroom, in science classrooms. And that name's coming up, but you're going to have, you'll be able to explain it better than I will. But yeah, that name is ringing a bell. Yeah. So she was a woman of color who died of cervical cancer very, very young. Um, And when they were removing the cervical cancer after she passed, I can't remember exactly when she noticed, they noticed that the tumor looked bizarre. It, It looked it was a different color, didn't look like normal tumors. And so they they took some cells mm-hmm. from her tumors and they realized that her cells are actually immortal. Um, and her cells are still around today. So they're cells that can be grown in a Petri dish without any medium and they can live indefinitely. They're the, the only human cells that they found that they can do this. You can actually purchase some of her cells. They're called HeLa cells. So Henrietta Lacks for short. Um, and they have been used wow. to come up with so many new discoveries, especially in, in the area of oncology. Um, and what's really sad about her story is that she at the time didn't get any recognition and her family didn't get any compensation. They didn't even know that, that their mother's cells were being used in research. Um, but now they've, they've gone back and they've named an entire wing of John Hopkins university after her, I believe John Hopkins. Um, so she has gotten recognition now. There's a great HBO movie. About and there was like a, there was like a big lawsuit. I'm, I'm remembering this now that you explained, wasn't there a big lawsuit that her family kind of put a lot of time and effort into that probably led to some of those things that you're talking about? Yep. Yes, exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. What's, what's the movie called? Cause I want to watch that now. The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which is the same name as the book that was written about her. Okay, great. And so what did your students make of that when y'all, in, when you integrated that into the, um, that unit about cells and cancer and stuff like that? You know it's a good engagement when you spend the rest of the hour talking about it because they have so many questions. Um, yeah, yes. so the, the clip on YouTube that I, I chose, it's about 10 minutes long and then we spent the rest of the hour just talking about her. And then because of her and her experience and her cells, they had all these questions about, about how cells divide. And so I would like write down the questions um, that they had. And then I would make sure to like answer those questions throughout the unit, or I'd have like activities focused on their questions about how cancer cells are different than normal cells. Um, yeah. So just getting them to ask questions because, and it, because you teach elementary ed, I'm sure those students don't have issues asking questions. They probably, you probably like show them a picture, <laughs> but high school students, I don't know what happens between elementary ed 
when they're in, in elementary school and high school, they're just not inquisitive anymore. They're not curious or maybe they're just embarrassed and they don't want to ask questions. So whenever you have an engagement like that, where you spend the rest of the hour asking questions. It is so important that we foster consistent experiences for all of our science learners at all age levels. As a teacher educator, I strive to do the same with my elementary pre-service teaching candidates as they prepare to make similar impacts on diverse learners in K-5 classrooms in the future. This is not easy work and requires a very intentional critical pedagogy and a determined mindset, much like that apparent in Emily Telford's narrative. We will continue to explore Emily's narrative of teaching over the next two episodes of Journeys with Teaching. You can follow Emily on Twitter at M Sandy, that's at E-M-S-A-N-D-Y. My contact information is in the episode description. This is Journeys with Teaching. I am Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.